Merry Christmas from Other People's Shoes. I am your host, Neil Matthews. Thank you so much for joining me during this holiday season. I am so excited about the holiday season because I don't know about anybody else, but I love to receive. I also really, truly love to give. And in this time, I believe that's what it's all about, is the greatest gift, obviously, that has come, being Jesus. But I also do believe that sometimes it is nice also to receive. And let me tell you right now, I would love to receive from you. I know, big ask perhaps, but here it is. In January, Other People's Shoes is going to be turning four years old. I know that sounds kind of silly to maybe celebrate, but I'm excited about it. Here's how you can get involved. Now, most of you are probably listening right now on some kind of iDevice, maybe Android device. It's okay, we don't judge. But I bet all of you have an ability right now to create a voice memo on your phone. I bet you do. You didn't even know it. So that's what I would like you to do is create a voice memo wishing the show a happy birthday and then share with me and those listeners that would hear it how you are impacting the world around you in a positive way. Maybe a little hint of what we're going to be talking about in January. So if you can do that, I would love to use you and your voice in a future episode that's coming up in January. Again, just to recap, happy birthday, other people's shoes, and then how you're impacting the world around you in a positive way. Submit those to me via email, and I will use them, as I said, in an upcoming episode. If you can do this, I would really appreciate it. In fact, if you can have it to me by December 30th, that would be amazing. That's kind of our cutoff, our deadline, need it by December 30th. So if you can do that, come be a part of the show. This is your own way of giving to me a great gift, and that is, of course, your voice. So come be a part of that. And with all that said, Merry Christmas to you and to yours. Lucas, take it away. Hey, come take a walk with me, not like you used to do, something different, put yourself in other people's shoes, open up your mind and open up your eyes and change your direction, change your perspective. Welcome into other people's shoes and a Merry Christmas to you. Now, I know for some, you're like, wow, is it going to be here before we know it? The answer to that, let me help you, is yes. A resounding yes. It will still be coming soon. So I don't know about anybody else. I am always struggling with that one person on my list to maybe get something for. We'll just call him Jojo because that's a good name to lead with. So you have Jojo in your life and you're always thinking to yourself, what should I get Jojo? Well, I have the answer for you. And and it is actually in the form of today's guest, because I think to me, when I think about our guest today, you really are going to get a gift that you can continue to pass on. Because I think the wisdom that is shared today is going to really change and revolutionize your life. I really believe that. And I believe my guest does as well. Help me welcome her in from way down under in Australia. Kelly, Kelly, how are you today? Awesome, Neil. And what an introduction. Thank you so much. And Merry Christmas coming up to you too. Is it too much fanfare to put you on that kind of level? Oh, no, I love it. Thank you so much. Okay, because, you know, I, I truly was not... I just tripped my heart. I was not sure about that, but I thought, I, I do believe what you have to share really is, is a gift in itself. And I think if people pay attention closely, they will know that. In fact, I, I'm going to share this with you because I just literally opened it up. I bought them for myself. I know, which... I'm already like 
making people mad because you're not supposed to buy gifts for yourself at Christmas time, right? I think that's a thing, right? It's maybe an international thing, perhaps even. I don't know. But I bought myself this little charm necklace thing. And on the charm is a set of headphones. Now, for those that know, I do like light blue and they are not, I'm, I'm a little saddened that the charm is not light blue. So I'm going to have to talk to some people, see if they can get it painted for me, maybe. But I bought this charm in hopes and truly as a reminder to me that I need to listen twice as much as I'm speaking. And so I think maybe that was kind of on my mind is, is that again, welcoming you in that if we really hear you, I think lives can be changed forever. So here we are. So Kelly, help us with this question that we like to lead with. And that's this, what style of shoe do you love to wear? I'm a dancer. So it's going to have to be a three inch Latin heel, gold heel. They're suede neutral and they're absolutely stunning. I don't know if I can get my foot around that, but we're going to give it a shot. So tell me about this. Like as a dancer, there is a little bit of a rhythm and a little bit of a routine and kind of some coordination that comes with dancing. Am, am I wrong in that or help me with that? Absolutely. And, you know, we we need to practice. It's something that we, you know, it's, it's a passion, but it just doesn't happen overnight. You know, there's very few natural dancers and I definitely wasn't a natural dancer. I had to practice and practice and practice until it became part of who I am. And so there's lots of patterns and lots of rhythm in the body. Well, good to know that because I can't dance to save my life or sing. So there's that is too. So those two things already at a disadvantage. So help me though, because I, I think you felt a little bit of a disadvantage in some respects into your arena of life. And that kind of gets us into this walk away moment that you really felt what and what made you walk away from this thing. Yeah, I was late bloomer into knowing what I wanted to do in life. And when I decided I was in my early 20s and I decided I wanted to be a psychologist to help people. I loved what I did for many years, but... July this year, 2022, I decided to walk away after 20 years because the regulation boards have been coming down on us to the point where we're not allowed to even share our own personal stories. And I've got a story to share. I've got a 34-year history of eating disorders, disordered eating and weight issues. And that's how I help people now. I couldn't even tell that story. I would be slapped with a $5,000 fine because that's classified as a testimonial. So I felt like I was put in a voice jail, basically, a prison. And in that prison, again, you, you can't really share who you are. You can't really share your life because I, I think, and maybe you could speak to this maybe a little bit better than I can, the idea of, of having a life experience and, and walking through an experience really kind of helps bring people together, doesn't it? Absolutely. And, you know, that's how originally, you know, people were drawn to me is because it's not just what you know professionally, it's that you've experienced it. And I had ex experienced the whole gambit. People used to always say to me, you're a ahead of me. You you know what's in my head. And that's how you help me more than anybody else has. I couldn't do that because I was told I wasn't allowed to anymore. And that just that just takes away who you are completely as a person because you don't know what you can say, how you can say. And there was, you know, the board says people buy from research. They don't buy off stories. Well, they don't. They connect with stories. I think that's so crazy to me to think about. Now, again, I'm sitting in the United States of America. I'm sitting in Oregon, which is one of the 50 states near California and Washington. 
And right now, I mean, I can think of friends that are therapists. I have one in particular that, that always jumps to my mind when I think of people in therapy or helping those walk through some, some painful moments and to kind of go along with our season, walk away from maybe something that has been hurting them in one way or another. And her name's Michelle Bankston, Dr. Michelle Bankston even. And she wrote a book all about a doctor's perspective on walking through some, some very painful things. So what I'm hearing you say, help me with this, is what I'm hearing you say is she wouldn't be permitted in some respects to create or write or share those type of experiences if she was in Australia with you, correct? There's all these fine lines to marketing and it's what they pick and choose. I had written a book years ago and I was attacked by the APS because I told my story in that book. I went to the governing body and they said to me, well, talk to the APS because there's actually no guidelines on this. And this is before the guidelines came in. And I said, well, they're the ones who have told me that I can't write this book with my story in it, which is just ridiculous because that's how do we learn? How do we learn lessons? We read people's stories. We learn through those experiences of what other people have been through. And in Australia, it's getting so hard that you know, a lot of psychologists have, like me have left the industry or they're so anxious because they don't, you know, they feel imprisoned or gagged or they just don't know when they're going to be, a complaint is going to be brought against them. And I guess, again, that to me is sad. It is because we can't just do our job. We can't connect with people. We can't help people at a deeper level because we're so fearful of the governing body. And that's why I just thought, well, you know, I'm so afraid to speak and I used to be a speaker and I lost my voice. I lost my connection to my soul, my heart, my message. And I'm now trying to find that again. You know, I was in such conflict. I was crying. The conflict inside was tearing me apart. When things don't align with me, then I know I've got to leave. I've got to change something up. And it was a big change, but it was a change that I was prepared to do. Came with a lot of consequences, of course. What would those consequences be? Well, I'm no longer fed by or the medical fraternity, and I can't get rebates from Medicare or private health. I lost 90% of my client base because in Australia, everybody wants private health rebates or Medicare rebates, and my referral system dried up. So now I'm starting from scratch, and I've been in business for 20 years, and now I'm starting all over again almost. But now I'm able to say it, connecting with my voice and my message, but I've still got to find that properly. So here's my question. I'm guessing you've probably been to Sydney. Yes, only a couple of times. Okay. Most people, I would imagine, when they think of Sydney, they think of undoubtedly the what, do you think? Uh, they think of the bridge, the opera house, the beaches. There you go. That's where I was going with. The opera house. Because undoubtedly, it is a kind of landmark recognizable by most people. They could probably point that out. That Yep, that's the Sydney opera house, I would imagine. The seating capacity, by the way, I found this very interesting. The seating capacity of the Sydney opera house is 5,738 people getting into that opera house doesn't seem That's like a lot no seems kind of low i feel like that's what google says so we'll we'll go with it but imagine just for a second somehow some way we could get you into that opera house and this event is created for you specifically mm -hmm. with people who have had some challenges with eating disorders with the challenges that you've walked through here's your moment 
Kelly, what do you say to them? I know how afraid you are and you may have even given up hope. A diet is not the answer. You need to understand your brain chemistry and how this links with food and understand your stories around food. I can help you to learn how to naturally find balance, reduce your cravings and learn how to really enjoy food and find freedom from it all at the same time. And this in itself will give you the hope that you've been looking for. It will make you excited and help you to find the confidence that you need to keep going, knowing that you can make better choices, that you're not weak, that there's nothing wrong with you. It's just that there's faulty messaging from all these years and you've internalized that and personalized that, believing there's something really wrong with you and there's not. And we just need to rewire your brain, rewire, give you new messages. Part of that starts with balancing your brain chemistry with food naturally so you never have to diet Again. Because let's face it, I would imagine if you polled, let's say, 70 women, of those 70 women, how many in your estimation, if they were being honest with themselves, of course, that'd be the key, right? Mm -hmm. If yep. those 70 women were polled and said, and this was the question they were asked, how many of you have struggled with body image, self-esteem, and weight loss issues? Of those 70, what do you think the percentage would be if, they, again, they answered honestly, that on some level they would they would say, yep, I've, I've dealt with that? 100%. Okay. And I guess that's what I'm after is, is this idea that people can really get free not only from that, because, again, I feel like we're talking about almost two different chapters of you, right? We got the chapter that says, hey, I had to walk away from a practice because I couldn't be who I was created to be in sharing my story. That's kind of chapter one. But the root of the book, the essence of the book, again, I like books because sometimes there are chapters involved or seasons and if you're a podcaster. But the root of the issue really is your story and how you walked away from that. So take us back to that journey. Where did it start for you in that eating disorder and recognizing that, hey, I have an issue. I kind of been struggling with this and, and now I'm kind of free of it. And this is how I did that. Okay. Well, I'll give you the snapshot first and then we'll go back. I struggled for 34 years from the age of 18 months and I bought into everyone else's beliefs, lies, fears of what weight, food and success was and it almost killed me and it wasn't until I hit rock bottom that I saw what the truth was and then once the path revealed itself this is how I started to turn my life around and it's now been 10 years and I'm in the 1% of people who have maintained their results. So I'm completely free of addiction, of food, dieting, self-judgment, and I continue to follow my path of truth. But I have been, I started out at 18 months, a food addict and obese because my mother, unfortunately, I'm not blaming her, but this is the truth in the story. We moved locations and she had no friends. She was lonely and we would have picnics every day, but it wouldn't be picnics with healthy food. It'd be picnics with unhealthy food. Going down to the corner shop in those days in the seven, early 70s, getting soft drink and lollies and having a little picnic. And from a normal weight child within no time flat, I ballooned out and they didn't know what was wrong with me. And she took me from doctor to doctor to doctor. And finally, one doctor said, she's a food addict. And that's a long time ago. So that was, you know, that doctor was way ahead of his time. And thank God he was. And thank God my parents did look for an answer because my they changed my diet and everything. I was still stuck with the weight issues because it had triggered my genes for obesity and addiction. And so I was the fat kid. I was bullied. No one wanted to play with me. And of course, that doesn't do much for your self-esteem, especially when you're a very shy child. 
So then I grew up, grew taller and my weight sort of normalized. But then in high school, again, things resurfaced and I more into the under eating, not anorexia. I was just under eating or not wanting to eat, but not realizing what it was. But my true issues came when I was 24. And that's when I had three major losses in three months, lost my sister, found out my partner was cheating on me, just about to buy a house, get engaged, all of that. And then my dance partner said he wanted to move to Sydney. So I lost my professional dance partner at the same time, all within three months. The only thing I could control within the chaos was food and exercise. And I was already 47 kilos because imagine I was a professional athlete at that point. And I dropped down to 41 or 42 kilos. And that's where it really started. That's where the torture happened. And then that lasted until I was 34, going from anorexia to bulimia to binge eating, yo-yo dieting. And then eventually at 34, my whole life did a full circle. I became a full-blown food addict, obese again, and I was binge eating. And that's when I said that was my rock bottom moment, when I realized what had happened, where my life was. First off, thank you for sharing that story. Let me let me start there. And then the second thing I want to say is is in that moment, again, we're going to go back to chapter one, really, which is in in the way things are structured, you're not able to tell any of those details, right? I was at one point and then it was taken away from me. So now I'm able to share everything because, you know, it's it's showing people that it's it's not simple. This this path of eating disorders, disordered eating and weight and dieting, it's, it's not a straightforward path. And you have multiple things at once. And it is torturous. I mean, at one point, I had five voices in my head, all vying for attention. And I mean, I wasn't schizophrenic. It was just all those different parts of me. It was the inner critic and the passive parent. And, you know, it was, it was just all consuming because that's what happens when you're in this is that, you know, everything is focused around food, dieting, self-comparison, self-judgment, self-criticism. These voices are so constant that it wears you down and you can't be present. You've got to know what they are. That's, that's the biggest key is understanding them and being able to learn how to count to them. You don't have to hit rock bottom, but most people still feel consumed by food, weight, comparison, feeling like a failure, constantly thinking about their weight or wanting to lose weight and then not knowing where to start, feeling so confused, thinking that you know they need to try this diet or that diet, but then it seems too hard. So they don't try at all. And you know it's just this vicious cycle of the all or nothing or avoidance, procrastination, denial. Right. And and I think those things do happen. But what I'm wondering about for you, though, is if you somehow don't hit rock bottom and, and you continue to be in the spot that you were in, have you thought about where where life would have continued to take you had you allowed to yourself to go down those roads? I, I was killing myself. There were times when I'd eaten so much that I'd woken up and vomited in the middle of the night. I was just damn lucky that I sleep upright. Otherwise, I potentially would have choked. That's how bad it got. That's what I'm saying. I really hit rock bottom. And if if I hadn't have done that, um, you know, I, I would have been, I reckon I would have been dead. I would have hit 150, 200 kilos. But who was in your life to kind of maybe snap you out of it? Or was it just you? It was me. I snapped myself out. It was one day I was sitting in my living room and I was having my typical 
actual binge. It was garlic bread dripping with butter, you know, creamy pasta and wine. And there was an ice cream in the freezer waiting. And then all of a sudden it was like this lightning bolt hit me and all I heard was brain chemistry. And I tried to keep eating and then it just kept growing louder. Brain chemistry. And it stopped me. And I went and I started researching. And that's the moment that changed my life because I started looking at brain chemistry and how it was connected with food and realized that was the answer. And that had been the answer to everything for me. It had been the answer with anorexia, bulimia, binging, dieting, whatever it was, brain chemistry was the key. And it still remains the key for me today. So I don't know a lot about brain chemistry. Help me understand that. Okay. So there's lots of different brain chemistries, but the one, the four main ones that I help people to look at is serotonin, which we know is the happy, but it's also connected to fullness. And so it's understanding how that plays a role in cravings and fullness. Dopamine, which is our reward pleasure. And that there is the planner. It's, it's the planner of binges, but it's the reward and pleasure of food. And it is also connected to memories of food. And so that's why people stay in part of the cycle of binging is because of dopamine. But dopamine starts the trigger for binging. And if binging is really bad, then it hits the opioid. And the opioid is where you eat until you're so stuffed that you, like you're hearing yourself saying, no more, no more, no more. But it keeps you eating and eating until you literally feel like it's in your throat. The opioid is connected to that, you know, over fullness of binging. It's connected to food addiction, but it's also connected to anorexia. And of course, there's stress, there's cortisol. So I talk about all of these. Which one do you think is the most dangerous to pay attention to? The ones that are most common for people are the dopamine and cortisol first. They're the ones that I focus on the most, especially if people have any binge eating. But serotonin also comes in because as it, as I said, it plays a big role in cravings and fullness and happiness, craving carbohydrates, chocolate, those type of things. And it's learning why and again, it links to stories, not just brain chemistry, because we go back into your history and look at the history of why do you crave those things? And usually there's something in your childhood and it's learning how to connect these with healthier versions of food. So I don't believe in abstinence or restriction or deprivation. I help people to balance the foods naturally and still have the yum on the tongue because we can't you know, not have yum and enjoyment in food, especially as you know, people who are foodies, we need to maintain that and so we have the yum on the tongue but it hits the brain chemistry to give it just enough without causing it to overexcite. So if somebody's been battling with a lot of this stuff for a long time, this overeating, this overindulging, this yo-yo diet, as you call it, which I like too. I think that's kind of fun because it's the up and down, constant, you know, motion. They're not out walking the dog like they should. Sorry, that was a yo-yo joke. I wonder what should be their first step. Because again, I, I'm one of these people that I'm like, okay, I want to lose weight. The holidays are coming. I, I don't want to continue to look like Santa Claus. I want to look like one of his little helpers. I want to be thin and trim. That's what I want Santa to bring me for Christmas. I want to be thin and trim, Santa. But is that a reality? I, I know I'm making light of it, but, and maybe I shouldn't because it is a very serious thing. Yeah, I think we need some levity from time to time. So And look, it depends on mindset is really important. So if, if you're there and you say, I'll blow it. I'll just eat whatever I want, then of course, that's where you'll go because focus and attention follows 
the direction. You know, so I didn't say that right. You know, but you know what I mean. You you go in the direction of where your focus and attention is. And so if you're already in the mindset that you're going to overindulge, you will overindulge. But if you start to plan of, well, what are some of the healthier options that I can have and plan for those, then you're going to set yourself up towards a better Christmas. For instance, most of the things over Christmas don't have a lot of healthy proteins in it. So the desserts, for instance, is so laden with carbohydrates and sugar. One of the things I say to people is cut it down by half and then add some nuts and seeds. And by adding the nuts and seeds, it makes you chew and you're getting some good protein and it will balance out the excitation of the sugar and the carbohydrate and you'll find you don't need as much and you won't binge as much. So it won't be the full answer because you need to learn all the skills of, because dopamine, as soon as dopamine sees food, it wants food. You know, just little tips like that, really helpful. But as soon as you go into all the creamy stuff and everything else, all bets are off because you're not in the driver's seat anymore. Your brain chemistry is in the driver's seat. Well, I guess that's it. Is For me, I have yet to find a gallon of ice cream that I don't like unless it's banana flavor which i don't even know if that's a thing but there shouldn't be a banana flavor ice cream i'm hoping like i love cookies and cream ice cream i love caramel cone ice cream but the problem is is when i have that i also put caramel drizzle on there put whipped cream on top of that and then i might crunch up some oreos and put them in with the ice cream with the cookies and cream of course that's what i'm trying to tell you okay neil we, we need to have a Kelly, chat, that's we? exactly what i'm trying to tell you is this <laughs> This idea that it's really hard. So I'm using me as the example. So use me as your guinea pig or your quote unquote client, if you will, in this moment. I'll be the placeholder. I volunteer as tribute. And, and this is where, you know, created my system over 12 months. And this is, it's a 12 month process. But just the starting point with what I'm saying, what your dessert is, it's just, whoa, baby. All hands are off. Dopamine's in the driver's seat. There is no Neil in, in the room. There is just dopamine in the room with that dessert. What we need to do is what could you take out of that? that you sort of go, I really, you know, if I have to decide what's the most important part of that to me, what is the most important part? It would be the ice cream. Okay, the ice cream. Okay. Therefore, if you then, what nuts and seeds do you really love? I love almonds. Mm Mm-hmm. But I usually get the kind that are like wasabi kind of almonds. I don't usually eat the raw almonds. Those are gross. Yeah, no. But I do like the flavored almonds. So yeah, almonds and cashews and peanuts. I do like peanuts. Okay. What if you had roasted almonds, roasted cashews with or without peanuts and you crushed up so they've got a bit of a crunch so they're not fully small and tiny. There's lots of crunch in there and you mix that through or mix it on top so you get a big spoonful of that. What would you think? I would be interested. Yeah. again i i think what i'm after and maybe others are as well is is we always think to ourselves well come on it's the holidays january is coming that's when i'm gonna do the big dramatic change sweeping declarations i'm never gonna eat this again i'm never gonna do that again i'm gonna be clean eating the reality is is why does that fail because let's be honest by february if we even get to february we've most likely already failed 100 and when i say we me really let's be honest well it's 92 percent of people fail with that concept so it's about how do we create what i call the one percent what's one percent that you can 
and do every day that's sustainable for the next 66 days, 254 days. And that's how you create change. It's not doing the all or nothing, which never sticks. You always fail. Put your self-esteem, your self-worth down into the pit. It's choosing that 1% of change that you can sustain for 66 days to up to 254 days, which is how long it takes to create a habit. To true change takes that long. It doesn't take 21 days. It takes a minimum of 66 and up to 254 days. But again, it's going to take work. It's going to take effort. Not 1%. Think about 1%. What's 1%? So just like the ice cream, if we just change the nuts, that's 1%. And that compounds throughout the year to be 365% success versus 365% of failure if you don't do it. So the idea is really just changing 1% of what we're doing. Yeah. Okay. And then once that seems like, oh, that seems easy, I can add in another 1%. Then we're up to 2%. Ah, yeah. Now you're getting it. And then 2% goes to 3%, 3% goes to 10%. Mm -hmm. Maybe we jump up to. Yeah. Okay. And then if you also acknowledge how good it feels and that you're actually doing the action, you're celebrating it, then it connects your neural pathways in your brain to say, wow, progress, achievement feels good. And that's creating the path to change because it all happens in our brain. When we do the all or nothing, we're not allowing the neural pathway in our brain to be created. But if we do the 1% and it compounds and we say, oh, that wasn't too hard, that was easy, then the neural pathway goes, oh, I can start to be built. So it goes from a road into a super highway within a year. And then do you feel like after a year, it is absolutely obtainable for a lifestyle change or does it still need to be monitored, watched, kind of babysat, coddled in some respects? It depends on the person. And most of the time it's it's how we create change is on different levels. So there's the intellectual change or depth of change. So there's the intellectual, the emotional and the identity. So if you only decide that it's going to be an intellectual change, then nothing really is going to stick. It's where true magic happens is at the emotional and identity phase. So if you're emotionally invested and committed, this is the way you want to feel, then that's where or why you will stick to something because you've got an emotional attachment or connection to it. And then at the identity phase, it's when you say, this is who I am and what I do now. And that's when you know it's stuck. And that is obtainable to get to that level to say, hey, I used to be that way, but I've walked away from it. Mm. Oh, that is profound. Yeah. And that's what I did. To walk away from something. That is, that's the profound. Yeah. And well, yeah, you've walked away. I'm just kidding. What you're saying is profound. I'm just kidding. You have, it's walked away. And that's what I did. I walked away from 34 years and walked towards something new and wonderful. And I wasn't giving up food. I was creating something new and wonderful with food. Because so many times I've heard people say, well, food should be enjoyable. And then I've heard other people say, no, food should just be used for energy and nothing else and no enjoyment. And I'm like, what? That's the craziest thing I've ever heard. Yeah. I'm with you, like as a foodie. And that's why people fail because you think about what diets are. They're boring. They're restrictive. They're depriving. So of course you're going to, your brain, like it's all the research has shown that when you deprive yourself of the nice things in life with food and you're a foodie, your brain actually scans the environment for it, drives you to eat it. So you want to create a new relationship with it. So it needs to be enjoyable. It needs to taste good and it needs to 
balance your brain chemistry so you don't binge on it. Yeah, my problem is, is I love eggs for breakfast, but undoubtedly with the eggs in my mind, I think, well, if I have eggs, I have to have bacon. And with bacon, I have to have guacamole. And with guacamole, it, it seems like only natural to have sour cream with it. And people are like, you're crazy. You know, you don't need all that stuff. I'm like, yes, I do. Okay, Neil, I need it. Now, where's that story come from? Where in your history? Boy, I don't know. I I remember always as a kid, you know, my the off chance my dad would make breakfast, which was not very often. But I think I do remember him having pretty much scrambled eggs with bacon. I mean, I think that was like almost like salt and pepper. They had to go together. There we go. So I think that's probably where it comes See? from. And that's what I'm saying about food stories and memories. Sometimes we don't realize how far back they go. And that's why you still pair those things. Well, my mom's going to hate me saying this, but that's part of the reason why I don't like pancakes is because every Saturday she would make pancakes for us. Like every freaking Saturday we had pancakes. And to this day, I can't stand pancakes. I'm just saying like I just. I love waffles, but not pancakes. And so can you see now how food plays, a, you know, our food stories back to childhood play a role in how we eat today and we don't even realize it. It's so unconscious. I mean, I, I can definitely see that. And I guess I never really put association of why I like certain foods and why I don't. I, I don't know. And this is going to sound even crazier. My grandmother, when I used to spend my summers with her because I was kind of a, an ornery child. And so I was sent to my grandmother's so I would not be ornery to my other siblings and they would potentially hurt me or, you know, create harm to me, let's say. So my grandmother obviously took care of me. And so she pretty much let me have whatever I wanted to food wise. And I remember her making, they don't make the flavor anymore. And I'm very disappointed by the way. This is terrible. Oriental top ramen, which now they, I think they call it soy sauce top ramen, which is not the same. The flavor was called Oriental top ramen. And then I would drink it with apple juice, not like in, like the apple juice wasn't in the Top ramen. It was my beverage that I was drinking. Isn't that weird? Terrible combinations, obviously, and terrible food choices. But hey, it was it was the thing that you did with your grandmother. And to this day, I still cannot pair those two together because she has since passed. Wow, see? This is the profound effect that food has in our lives and connects with our stories and our emotions. So again, just to help, going full circle here. So if I was in Australia and I was in your realm of, of expertise, I couldn't share any of those stories. That's sad to me because I felt like even though you might not have approved of my food choices, there might've been some food judgment. I'm, I'm just projecting here. I'm projecting and teasing a little bit, but we were able to relate. You were able to say, well, this is why you did that. This is, you know, this is how you were doing that. And this is maybe why, you know, why you had to pair the bacon with the scrambled eggs because somewhere along the way, you know, that happened. We were able to kind of relate, I think on a deeper level. Correct. And, and that's why, you know, I couldn't before when I was a psychologist, I could never go on podcasts or do interviews or anything because I would be slapped immediately with a $5,000 fine. And that's why I'm just so grateful that I've made this decision and I'm able to speak to people like you, Neil. And it's a blessing. I just think it's sad. It is sad. And I hope, I mean, hear me. I mean, I don't know what the United States looks like in comparison to where you are, but I hope, I hope the United States never gets to this level because I think so many people, again, relate with a story. I mean, I cannot tell you how many times a day somebody will say something to me or, or vice versa. They'll start something or I'll start something and, and somebody undoubtedly will say, oh, I've done that or that's happened to me. It's one of those things we just, as people, we relate so well to a story. Well, Kelly, help us with this. If somebody's hearing you right now, after they heard you at the Sydney Opera House where you killed
nailed it. You were just amazing and shared your five-minute presentation on on why somebody needs to work with you. If they, if they miss somehow, somehow they missed the uh, event at the Sydney Opera House. I don't know how because we promoted it everywhere. But if somehow, some way, somebody is still hearing you and they're like, you know what? I want to know more about this. I want to know more of her work. I want to know how she can help me. What is the best way someone can reach out and connect with you? Mind and body architect.com. There's a quiz there that you can take, which looks at your eating triggers type. But if you want to connect personally, find me on Facebook and I am me. Because at the end of the day, that's what you want is you are on a mission really to help people walk away from what they've been a part of and walk into this new life that really can provide life-giving and kind of some energy, maybe some pep back in their step. Oh, most definitely. And, you know, at the moment I've got, you know, for until, you know, between Christmas and New Year, I've got the seven brain hacks to conquer emotional and binge eating. It's a self-paced experience program. So it's the starting point to learn what's been going on and why you keep falling into failure patterns. But then in January, we're going to be starting with the food choices and stories, just some of that stuff that we've been talking about and then moving on to the brain chemistry and food, which is from binge to balanced eating. So, you know, January is when we're really going to be moving into doing the experience programs, which has got group coaching, lots of connection. And, you know, you've got me there to bounce off and ask all those questions like you did today. And it can, yeah, definitely turn people's lives around. And I've got so many stories or experiences of people who, you know, the programs have changed their lives. And see, again, I, I, I think that's, that's very profound. And I, I really hope people, you know, obviously heed what we're saying and hear it and that they really take action on those steps because I really think it could be a life-changing event for them. And here's the best part is because technology is so amazing, you don't need to jump on a 17, 27 hour, I don't know how far it is, flight to Australia. That's right. They can do this all truly in the comfort of their own home office or home. Exactly. It's all online. That's the best part. And that, and that is, it's the most amazing part is no matter where I am, no matter where clients are, we can connect, we, we can become a community. And I just think that's so good. So good stuff there. So again, if you're not sure, somehow, some way you missed all of that, that Kelly broke down for you, don't worry. We took care of you. We got it in the show notes. It's there available for you. So check that out as soon as we are done talking here. So Kelly, before we let you go, I feel like we need some silliness. Like we've had a somewhat silliness like we've been kind of like the teeter-totter like we're going up and down a little bit of silliness but not so much and then somewhat and then not so much but now we're going full bore full speed ahead pedal to the metal silliness are you ready for that absolutely okay good because we're going to do this thing called senseless now it's so silly it's just this silly way we end the show and it's involving a die in a cup and I'm very sad still I need to see a grief counselor because back in Thanksgiving time period I went to Portland which is in Oregon it's north of me and I saw my favorite college team of all time the University of North Carolina and I, I paid very premium price seating to watch them lose at a basketball game and I'm very sad That's about that still. so if you know anybody that could maybe help in my grieving I, I would be interested so through your contacts and connections I'm of course being silly because again this is all silliness now so here any Anyway, here we go. We're going to do this thing called senseless, very silliness that we are. So we have five senses. Some would say we have six, but I'm not going to get into that road of madness. So we're going to stick with five and then six is our rock code. So I'm going to roll for you because you're still in Australia way far away from me. 
All right, and you got this number six. Speaking of six and that sixth sense, I might see dead people. Ooh, I actually, I do have some some experiences about that, so I can share those. Whoa, see? That's fun stuff there. So here we go. So senseless question is this, number six. It's my favorite one, by the way. I don't know why, but it is my favorite, even though it should be number four should be my favorite because that's my favorite number. Anyway, I digress. Number six is this. One person, Kelly, only one. Don't try to sneak others in there. Just one. One person you would love to spend the weekend with, and what would you do? So who's the person, and then what are you doing? And the weekend, just to help, because some have, have pushed on that, like what is the weekend? So let's clarify. The weekend starts... Starts at 6.30 p.m. and goes till 11.59 Sunday night. So there's your weekend. Okay, so I would actually, just one person is so hard. I'm going to pick Peter Sage. I don't know who that is. Help me with that. Okay, Peter is a millionaire who actually went to jail for copywriting certain things and spent time in jail. And now he, he was a trainer with Tony Robbins for some time as well. And now he's out on his own. He's been out on his own for quite some time. And he teaches people all about mindsets, emotions, how to up-level themselves in every part of their lives, as well as in business and um, money. But what I love to do is spend a weekend with Peter so he can transform my personal life because I know I've still got all these limiting beliefs that are stopping me and I'd love to get him in my brain, break me down and build me back up. Interesting. Okay. And where would you guys go during this breakdown build-up session? Oh, it would have to be a tropical island. There's no one else around, so I can blubber and I can yell and scream and no one would see me or hear me. And then I can rejuvenate on the water and just chill. Yeah, I do think water is the most healing thing on the planet, mm -hmm. personally. So anytime I can, I want to be near water. Yeah, I'm the same as you. Got to be warm water. Oh, hell Yes. <laughs> You know, none of this. I have a couple friends that do those ice bath things. You know oh, what I'm talking yeah. about? They like get the, the tub out, yeah, you know, no, and they dump you. all the ice oh. in. No, I could never do no. that. I'm already cold mm -hmm. enough. I know. <laughs> oh, I don't like winter. That seems awful. Now you give me in a jacuzzi with a maybe drink in my hand. I might be talking, just saying, or ocean. That's right. Sound and the seagulls. That's ah, fun stuff. Well, Kelly, again, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate your time that you gave us. Valuable stuff today. I really feel like that. So thank you for that. I appreciate that. It's been amazing, Neil. Thank you so much for having me on. Well, guys and gals, kids and campers alike, that is it. That is all. That is our show today. I told you. I told you. I hope you were really paying attention because I really did tell you. Life-changing stuff right there. Are you not sure about that? Oh, okay. Tell you what, rewind it again and listen to it maybe a second time around because I think you might have missed something. You might have missed the fact that life's can truly be changed if you heed her words. Now, let me be candid here completely. Is Kelly this amazing guru that is just full of life and gonna just promise you rainbows and unicorns and Hallmark movies galore? No, I don't think so. But what I do like, and I think the biggest takeaway for me is, what if you just started with 1%? Figure out that 1%. Make that one change on that 1%. And then once you get that down and you nail it down, you're like, man, I got 1% down. Yeah, high five. Celebrate it. Not with a gallon of ice cream, mind you, but celebrate. And then go to two and five and so on and so on until you're at 100%. I think that was profound. I do. I think that's life-changing. If you don't want that, that's fine. You don't have to. But if you do want it and you are interested in that, 
just let me know. Drop me a line. OPSpodcast.com is a great place to do that. You can actually, I know this sounds even crazier. You can leave a voicemail there. It's really cool. I've tested it out myself. About two minutes, roughly. If you're not comfortable with that, which I get, maybe you're the writing type, that's cool. Drop us a note. OPSpodcast.com is also a great place. You can leave a little review there. You can leave a little comment there. And if you're, again, you don't like websites, which I get. Some people don't. Let us know on social media. OPS Podcast Show, a little different, kind of the same. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We're there. We're hanging out there. Mainly on Instagram, by the way. But before I let you go, and before you go on with the rest of your day, I want you to just maybe ponder that 1% thing. And imagine if you took that 1% into this next statement, and that's this. Remember, when you walk in other people's shoes, you really do get a different perspective on life. Even if you did it at 1% at a time, you'll, you will. And stay tuned till next week. By the way, it's going to be amazing when we walk in other people's shoes. <laughs>